You're listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. My guest today made history earlier this year when she signed a landmark deal to direct the sequel to one of the summer's hottest movies, Wonder Woman. She will become the highest paid female director ever when she tackles a superhero follow-up, part of the massive machinery of DC and Warner Brothers' efforts to establish their own on-screen comic book universe. Her name is Patty Jenkins, and we're very happy she could join us today. Patty, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, you know, I had Barry Jenkins here last year, and we were talking about, this was before, you know, his epic win at the Oscars, yeah. which was such an amazing moment. But just after the nominations, we were talking about, you know, the first LGBT film directed by a black filmmaker, about the black experience, you know, all these firsts. And yeah. he said, I'll be happy when we're not talking about these firsts and thirds and seconds and everything. And it kind of, something you said reminded me of that, which was you did an interview with us where you mentioned you want you thought of yourself as a last wave feminist. Yep. So I guess you kind of agree with Barry, right? In, in terms of, it'll be nice when we're past yeah. that, right? <clears throat> I think it's funny because I'm always so respectful and grateful of of any accolade or or record or anything that I'm involved with, of course. How how incredible. But simultaneously, you're always reflecting, wow, I'm the first, yeah. you know? Because growing up watching so many great filmmakers, I, I never thought I would be the one all these years later to be the person breaking any records. I'm so grateful it, it's happened. But I also can't wait for the day that that is not at all figuring in. And listen, for Barry, for me, I'm sure we're in the same position where like, there's no part of you that doesn't want the conversation to happen if it furthers the the issue. But on the other hand, I'm just a filmmaker. Like, I just w- came into the world looking at films and wanting to be a filmmaker. So it's it's going to be a great great thing when, when we can move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, definitely, I think of myself. I aim to, I pretend I live in a world of last wave feminism, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Whether I do or not, I don't know. But I just say, I don't know, I'm... it. it it has no impact on my career, and that's how I approach things, even though I'm sure that's not true. Well, it's sort of just willing it to be. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, that's the only way it's, it's – it's, not the only way, but that, that's how it's going to happen is just uh, living in that world. Exactly, right? yeah. Um, you know, that said, though, you've, as, as you say, you've clearly broken this glass ceiling. So did you ever in any way think of yourself of, as like a, a barricade stormer? Never. Yeah. Never. I, I think because my mother was, <laughs> I thought that that was really behind us. Because I, because my relationship to superhero movies had nothing to do with anything other than being someone who loved a great superhero movie and wanted to make one, um, it was that was really always leading the way, and and so I wasn't thinking about like, and then I could be the first woman who nothing I've done I was I was aware of anything like that I knew. When I briefly signed on to do Thor 2, I knew that I would have been, and that made big news, and I was like, oh okay, well there we are, you know. But I didn't. That that had nothing to do with the with with my objective. Yeah, uh, you know how important is it for you to assemble a team of diversity behind the camera? I mean, I think that the important thing about making sure we have women and and minorities in in major positions is that they can then kick the door in for people to be a DP mm-hmm. or sound mixer, whatever. So how important is that aspect for you? It is important. And I, but I, but I, but yet a lot of things are important, you know, so that, that's one of the things that I do think is important, but also I won't stop myself from hiring Matt Jensen, my incredible cinematographer, Mm -hmm. who's a great partner of mine and who's the person who, who, whose vision matched with mine the most clearly. So I think it's important. I think it's important to do both, but I, I don't, I've never had, 
even a question about it because I think if I look at my track record, my partners have been so diverse from the start, you know, mm-hmm. Monster with Charlize, Killing, you know, with uh, with Vina Sud, who's both, you know, who's who's both, you know, from uh, Myanmar and uh, and uh, a woman. And so it's it. I just wasn't I, I've always had so many people around me. I came from the New York film world mm-hmm. and it was reasonably diverse at times. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's um, I've always had, a you know, a lot of different kinds of people on my sets. Yeah. Well, I was uh, I had hoped to kind of check out your short films, but I wasn't able to track them down. But I wanted to ask you just about your uh, what was your AFI experience like? I went to film school. I yeah. was also in a conservatory environment, yeah. so it's oh, a yeah. unique environment. You know? It is. Uh, but what 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 was that like for you? <laughs> um, it was it was both like something I'll never forget, and incredibly difficult, and incredibly frustrating, and ever a little bit of everything, as I think any good education should be. Just like if I look back at any of the movies I made, none of them were like high five and great times, mm-hmm. and none of them were easy. They all have had their struggles, but but they you know it is what it is, and you come out such a different person. I, in retrospect, am so grateful for what AFI was because, in a way, it had this perfect blend of being, um, being really good at making you have an idea that you were trying to come to to execute, and then having you execute it, and that mm-hmm. was extremely difficult. And sometimes the difficulties were very like the ones you'll face in the industry. Why mm-hmm. do you want this? Who are you going to be able to get the best DP to shoot it? Are you going to be able to get the best editor to work on it? Do you have enough money? Are we going to give you the equipment? All of those things, which really in their own way are symbolized later in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, they, they while teaching you that, the right tools about Hollywood, it, they were nicely blind to Hollywood-only success. So a ton of the filmmakers at AFI were international, and their ambitions were international. So they, they were maybe aspiring to make non-commercial united you know films that would succeed in the in the cineplex in the tentpole world Mm -hmm. and i thought that was great too because really there were these very varied voices and there was no attitude of you're never going to make it with that it was just about being a great filmmaker and i i see myself right in the middle as much as i'm in the middle of a very commercial venture right now um i I I love that genre, so it's something that I want to do, but I might want to make a quieter, smaller film down the road. I like a lot of different kinds of films, and so I, I think that they're, that they're both really valuable parts yeah. of the film. Uh, what did you study uh, in undergrad uh, when you went to... Painting. Okay. I studied painting. I went for painting, but... Uh, like a lot of people who end up finding their way into film via painting school, we were drawn to the only option, which was, I guess I'm an artist. You study painting, you study photography, you study, I was super into music. I really loved drama, but I didn't want to act. And so it wasn't until my my, my freshman year at Cooper Union, I took an experimental film course and it was like (laughs) everything I loved came together, particularly when I put score to picture. Mm -hmm. So the second I put music to picture, I was like, this is it. This is it. This is what I want to do. But yeah, that but I continued to study all of the other, you know, arts on the side while I became an independent film student while mm-hmm. I was there. Yeah, what was going on in your life, actually, between graduating there and then eventually going back to school, to AFI? What, what, I, so I, I, left, I left Cooper, and like somebody who'd been training in the arts for the last 
you know, eight years or whatever it took to, you know, from end of elementary school to to get into Cooper and then through Cooper. Um, I was like, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. I got to get my hands on the on the stuff, on mm-hmm. the equipment and stuff. So I pressed really hard to get uh, an internship in my senior year to uh, a commercial production company. I started working at that commercial production company immediately was very like itchy to get out of the office and get onto <laughs> set. And so I probably was not their best intern, but uh, quickly got myself onto a set where I met the um, I met a very old friend of mine who's now a great DP, Mike Otano, who um, who was uh, a loader on it. And I talked to him, Mike, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And he uh, he ended up saying, well, you can come and work. Uh, let me talk to these guys and they may train you, but you'd have to work for free and you have to work really, really hard. Mm-hmm. So I hooked up with those that crew of people and they were extremely intense and you had to work for free for, you know, I worked for three, six months for free, memorizing how the camera worked, taking it apart, putting it back together, memorizing everything, show up two hours before any call. And then they started hiring me. And, and pretty quickly, I actually, because of the music video world that was going on at the time, moved up the ladder to being a first uh, mm. focus puller on set. And then I worked for 10 years as a camera person. It was incredible. Um, I'm so grateful. I was pretty successful. And so I was able to do it. But it also meant that the fantasy that I'd had that I would do this on the side as I wrote my own films or made my own films goes away. Yeah. Because every single day I was checking out an equipment package or scrutinizing something. To be good at that job took everything I had to. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but it was great. I traveled the world. I did every different kind of thing. I did thousands of commercials and music videos, mm-hmm. three a week usually. And um, But then I got to a place when I was about 28 where I was like, okay, you really need to make... I didn't want to be a cinematographer. And so I said, you really have to make a decision. If, if, if what your purpose is, is to go forward, you need to bust a move. And, you pro- and I probably need to leave New York because I was pretty well known as a camera person. And so I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to leave the place that I love so much, New York. I loved the fact that AFI let me in as a director. So I didn't have to learn things that I already sort of had a lot of experience with. Mm-hmm. I know what the boom guy does. I know what I've been on set for 10 years at that point. Yeah. So that's why I switched to AFI. And that's why it was excellent for me because now I really could just say, I'm just focusing on, on, on that. And, um, and interestingly, in retrospect, I was frustrated with myself uh, for staying as a camera person for so long. But in retrospect, I'm so grateful now because every time I'm on set, there's, there are so many experiences behind me of like when we got thr- flooded, that time we had to repel everything down to the beach in St. Bart's, that time wow. we did car racing, that time we shot basketball. I mean, I really did. I, I, was, I, I ended up on you know, American Express campaigns and Nike campaigns and some very high-end things. You get to see and learn a lot, which really does come into play now. Yeah, that's invaluable. I'm like, oh, okay, motion control. Oh, okay, photosonics. I've, do- I've done all that before. So it's it's really helpful. Keeps you from getting flustered with anything new. Nothing too. Fl- yeah, 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 I've not, seen, seen great disaster, and I do not take it personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Bust a yeah. move. I think that's the first Young MC quote we've had on the podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um. Oh, by the way, music videos, what was like, what's, what's the coolest one you worked on? You know what is funny is that I worked on so many that are now legendary and none of us knew at the time. So Brett Ratner, Hype Williams, a bunch of people really were starting this 
this amazing movement of of really fantastic rap videos. Mm-hmm. And so I did almost all of the early Puffy, Mary J, Biggie, wow. Wu-Tang, I mean, Fuji's, I did all of them. And that was our job. That, like when I crossed over in the first few years into firsting, then you jump d- down to music videos instead of commercials. And so it was just, that was what we were doing. And it was just, there were there was so much money in it and there were so many of them. And, and I did hundreds and thousands of them. I probably did hundreds of those and thousands of commercials, probably more commercials, but still. And then I did, you know, Elton John, Madonna, you know, uh, Michael Jackson. That was, that's the best story I I actually have. No, I did Earth Song. Oh, okay. And now here's the crazy thing about it. They, they, they took us all up to um, the middle of nowhere, upstate New York, and you all signed these NDAs. (laughs) And Michael was going to do this incredible performance where he screams about the world, you know, he performs about the world, but he wanted privacy, wanted to be left alone. So they built this white psych, this very, very long white wall to just reflect back at him in the nighttime. And the only thing they couldn't figure out to do, because this was like 96 or something, was pull focus. (laughs) <laughs> because they didn't have, we didn't have the remote units yeah. yet. So only I sat in front of the white wall. And he sat as stood and he walks in and stands as far from me as you're sitting right now. Like, and is so quiet and like folded up like a fan of a personality and walks out and the, okay, quiet, quiet. And I'm crouched down trying to avoid eye contact so that I don't, you know, make him feel like I'm there. And then that guy starts dancing and I, it was as if I was blown against the wall. It was like <laughs> nothing I have ever experienced in my life, that level of exuding performance wow. that I was like, could just barely keep up pulling focus the whole time. It was truly one of the most memorable moments of my life and film career, sitting there with Michael Jackson dancing four feet from me, yeah. right above me, and trying to focus on him at the same time, but feeling this bang I mean the size of the spirit that came out of him was nothing I've ever seen. And you got your own little private performance, Un- Unbelievable. Really. Multiple times. It's so cool. <laughs> it was the coolest. And Hype Williams, I mean, it must have been interesting to be a camera, in the camera department on a Hype Williams movie. His, I mean, uh, music video. Hype yeah. Williams had such a visual signature really on did. all those videos. Beautiful. Yeah. And the lighting and that, was just so interesting. Yeah, and that's the thing that was so cool, is that those guys were really reaching for something. Hype had beautiful visual style, doing incredible things. Brett was too, and also was bringing in like Conrad Hall to shoot a music video. And so you were showing up on these sets going, wow, this isn't what anybody would have ever applied to hip hop before, and or just even music videos in general. And it was, it, it was, it was, it was interesting to be a part of it because as somebody in the middle of it, it was like, Jesus, Conrad Hall is really here doing this? Okay. But then you'd see the video. I was just going to say, I never knew Connie Hall did a music video. I think he video. did. Yeah, I can't, I, 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 I can't remember which one it was, but it really was. And, and God knows, maybe I'm even wrong and I'm mixing up that it was Haskell or something. But it was one Either of... Either way. <laughs> it was legendary people were coming in yeah. and shooting these videos. And, and, it, and when you saw it happening, you were like, why is it? And then you'd see the video and you were like, whoa, it's, this is rocking the world. Yeah. Because nobody's ever expected you to do that for, for Wu-Tang or for the Fugees. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Or Jodeci or whoever. Jodeci. <laughs> Jodeci and Young MC in one podcast. Yeah. That was the Jodeci video I did where that we had 15 cameras on cranes and then the sprinklers went off. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, you've got stories. Yeah. Um, 
You mentioned Thor 2. I wanted to touch on that briefly. Just that experience. Uh, I'm curious what you learned about that that maybe helped you when you went into the Wonder Woman of it all. You know what I learned on that that helped me not only with Wonder Woman but with all my meetings was how how serious to take that the two of you are on the same page. And we were on the same page when I came on to that. They had developed something loosely they weren't totally done with and I but they didn't want to tell anybody so they said no we don't have anything come and pitch us I pitched them something very different from that and they really liked it and so at the time they were like let's do that we want to do it let's go forward with that but as our process together progressed it became clearer that there turned out there were reasons they were pursuing the thing so then they told me about what they had originally been pursuing and then it just became clearer and clearer that that was what they needed to do and Mm -hmm. that was not for me and so I think that the most important thing I've met on many big movies between Thor and between Wonder Woman, and, you know, it's funny because periodically people will ask me, how did I get the job for Wonder Woman? And it never was like that. Wonder Woman I was actually meeting on for 10 years because that was my true love. Mm-hmm. That was what I wanted to do more than, more than you know, any other superhero. But... But by the time I came back, by the time I ended up sitting in the in the seat of talking about Wonder Woman, I took very seriously, do you and I really feel like we're the right match? Mm-hmm. And at first there was a moment where they were going to pursue something very different than what I felt I was right for. Mm-hmm. And so they hired another director as they should. But when they came back to me and said, we have changed, we, we have changed our direction. We now, it turns out we want to go the direction you were saying you wanted to go then it turned out to be a good match. That's what's important, mm-hmm. is is this movie and this process and my relationship with these people was successful because I wasn't fighting them for something that I wanted that they had different needs. We wanted the exact same thing, mm-hmm. and therefore we're all struggling to make the best version of the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's what I think is super important, is when is when you're meeting on these projects, knowing, okay, just tell me what it is you're looking for and and what do you need? And if it's a need that I'm interested in filling and I can see a shared vision to get to that same need, great. But, you know, don't go, like, I always think it's weird even when people are like, did they let you do your own thing? I'm like, I don't even believe in that. It's Mm -hmm. You're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, Mm -hmm. don't take on hundreds of millions of dollars of other people's money if you're not going to understand what you're dealing with that's an unwinnable hand you know it's like but there are great tent poles in the world and there are great blockbusters in the world so if you feel that 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 your artistic vision matches with something that will also be lucrative for them wonderful so that's it that's what i i I would never go never go try to sell myself for anything blind it's a it's a courtship yeah sure that touches on a question i had which was just uh you know, did did it feel restrictive to work on something that needed to be a piece of something bigger? Uh, so I guess the question is no, because you, you were of like minds coming into the whole thing. So. Yeah, and not in our case as well, because her story so so precedes everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that would be a problem for me in another film, and I respect that it is for a lot of people, but she was you know, over a hundred years earlier than, than any of their stories. And so, you know, there was a long way to go before she ended up. I mean, she was also only briefly in Batman versus Superman before it. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of latitude. Yeah. And regarding Thor two, Natalie really went to bat for you there. Can we, do you think we'll see a collaboration? Oh, I would love to. I love her. Yeah. I think she, and she's a special 
actress yeah, and wonderful fantastic. person. Yeah. We had her here last year talking about Jackie. She was so good in that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Wonder Woman. Uh, with comic book movies, I'm often curious about, uh, you know, it's a graphic, it's coming from a graphic format. So were there specific frames that were of interest to you that maybe you even wanted to replicate? Or were there, was there a certain artwork, a certain artist that spoke to you uh, in all of that uh, for your own kind of visual ideas for the movie? Yeah, there wasn't, a, there wouldn't, there were actually no frames, interestingly. There mm-hmm. were, because it just didn't, none of them fell into exactly our story. But there were quite a few artists who who their vibe of Wonder Woman ended up being really you know something that you that you came to. Um, certainly, the original Marston run I was most aware of because that's what I felt like my biggest job was. I was like, be pure, be be true to this, and then from there go forward. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've talked a lot about uh, loving Alex Roth's work, and I think uh, he he. He has visualized in like kind of a beautiful and serious way all of the superheroes, and his um, his his paintings of Wonder Woman are just really just so epic and elegant and beautiful. And yeah. he's you know his work is is a is an influence to the tone and the mood of a lot of the superhero world today. There's a real humanity to that work. I've you yeah. know you know his painting The Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh yeah, I've got that on my wall. Oh, framed. isn't it so beautiful? It's one of my favorite pieces of artwork. Yeah, and a lot of the ones that he did of Wonder Woman that we didn't, we haven't had a chance to do, but where he's she's like clutching the children mm-hmm. and rising above the people in poverty. It's like all of those things. Like that's who Wonder Woman is to me. That's yeah. what she is to me. That gets to my next one, which is uh, what did the material say to you thematically from the start? And uh, in kind of an addendum to that, what was missing? Uh, in your view, from the comic book genre that you kind of felt needed to be there, beyond the obvious, a female point of view. Mm. But uh, those those kind of two-part question, I guess. You know, I think it's less what was missing than what has, what has not been in vogue recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it has been there before. And it... Really, honestly, and I, 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 it sounds, it sounds like I'm, like, I'm being overly romantic, but I'm dead serious and, like, I believe in storytelling. Like, I believe in it. Sometimes I think I get frustrated with things I see going on in the world and that I can't make more of a difference. And every time I feel that way, I return to, you can make a difference like this mm-hmm. by inspiring people in the biggest and broadest way to be better people and, and, and whatever trickle down effect that can have is the best you um, is not of course i do more than that but that's my that's my since that's what i've trained to do applying my training to to something i know how to do is mm-hmm. turns out to be you know a, a good use of my frustration mm-hmm. but um but so i i believe like that i'm super interested in the history of story i always have been fascinated how it's been the same there's so so many of the same chapters for thousands of years we tell the same kind of stories and we tell them for the same kind of reasons and in every culture so many of the same stories through different often religious characters who were their mythic characters Mm -hmm. you could tell a story about that biblical character doing struggling with that the same way you could tell the story of a greek God struggling with that because now you're talking about a universal story to that culture. Superheroes are still here for a reason and it's because they landed in this need that nothing else was in, Mm -hmm. which is we love superheroes because we all know who they are because and because they often tell very, very basic human stories of wanting to save the world, of wanting to be better, of questioning your own power or questioning your own weakness, 
of facing hard choices, all of those things. So I like believe in that. You know, I don't just say like, oh, this super superhero genre. Sometimes movies are silly and sometimes, but this is like big stuff we're talking about. And so the idea of taking it really seriously and both making it delightful and wonderful and moving and exciting, but also uh, giving ourselves a chance to turn the big universal question of how can I be a hero in this world is like a practice that I think is, 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 has been around for thousands of years for a reason. And Mm -hmm. it's because it's how it is, how we tell our, teach our children and teach ourselves. What would I do when faced with that choice? And what would that feel like? Mm -hmm. So that was what I was like, wow, Wonder Woman, oftentimes when they're mired in the middle of a universe, you can't do that. Yeah. First Wonder Woman, oh, Kiro that stands for something so pure and clean, like, and good, and who's so lovable and wonderful, like, what an amazing opportunity to go back to the roots of what these things were written for and make you feel what those first pages felt like to people who said, that little kid who read that comic book and said, and then I, and then I, and then I flew out the window and I saved the day, you know, like, that's, that's incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. just drilling down thematically uh, within within the material, um, you know, beyond what you just spoke to. But was there any was there anything that kind of struck you? I guess that you wanted to to, to get at thematically with your visual storytelling mm-hmm. as well. You know, yeah, I I did very much thematically want to get to love because that's what she stands for, mm-hmm. and the complexity of what we're facing. That was the two, that was the thing is like. The journey of of a character through our world who believes in good and evil, as we all do, facing a world ultimately that ends up showing you how unbelievably complicated it is to be to tackle that or conquer that in any black and white terms. And therefore, how much love that requires to stay uh, struggling to make it this world a better place Mm -hmm. versus choosing hate and joining into the fight that perpetuates it. Um, that was something that I think thematically was like behind the surface of all of that, you know? And so, yeah, these were, there were big themes that she stands for love and truth. Wow. That's like pretty important right now and, and complexity and, and fighting in a different way than just smashing the single bad guy and the end, you know? And so that, that was kind of what I cared about. Yeah. Uh, You seem like somebody who's probably up on her Edith Hamilton with all of that talk of mythology and everything yeah i have that yeah (laughs) exactly uh just curious what kind of ideas you might have percolating for a sequel like what you know broadly if you want to talk uh broadly just what thematic ideas might you have what territory do you want to take this into now you know it's really still going to other values of hers and a similar formula insofar as making a great, enjoyable, fun movie, but that ultimately, in its third act, turns some very big issues um, and a very big experience that has that's, that will aim to have slightly more weight and profundity than it has to have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's a formula that I really like. And I like, I like the idea of... of taking somebody on a very solid great journey but mm-hmm. that arrives at a bigger question being answered so it's like that but it's it is more but because she is wonder woman and she's here now and she's fully developed it's it, it's got the it's got great fun from the start and great you know big you know superhero presence from the start and um 
and is funny and a great love story again and you know and some new an, an, a couple new unbelievable characters who I'm so excited about who were very different than than were in the last movie so that's what it is I feel like it's just the right amount this, the same world of Wonder Woman as the first movie while being a completely different story um, that tackles something very different but very similarly singular mm-hmm. one story awesome and I must say too I, I write a column every year the best shots of the year and there's a shot from your film I'll be talking to Matt about uh, it's when she's holding the shield up amid the bullets I, mean, oh, I just yeah. think it's such an iconic image it says so much about today I think it in, in its own way now kind of echoes with I mean there's things going on in our own industry and women finding a voice and standing up. And mm-hmm. so I, th- I thought that image was uh, striking. So I'll be talking to him about that That's uh, great. later this year. It's funny how many people have said to me who they thought that woman was. <laughs> like, that woman was just like this woman in our world or this woman in our world. And it felt like when this woman did this thing or, you know, and it doesn't have to be a woman. It's like when anybody goes up and faces something, It was. it's interesting that that's really struck a chord. And, yeah. we're, and we were aware of the universal power of what was going on in that moment, but for it to carry the way that it has and stand for that is pretty awesome. It's sort of elemental. Yeah. And then finally here, uh, Justice League is coming up. Uh, That movie has clearly been through a lot, uh, but have you seen it? Yes. What did you think? I I can't say anything about it. (laughs) I can say nothing. Can you say that you liked it? Uh, I, you know what? I saw an early phase of it, so I, I don't even want to. I sure. don't even want to to say that yet because I've seen some early, ch- early, very changing things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I have high hopes. Well, that's going to be obviously a huge movie this year, and again, been through a lot. So hopefully, it all turns out for the best. Yeah. Uh, again, the movie is Wonder Woman. If you haven't seen it, where have you been? Uh, <laughs> pick up the Blu-ray. Uh, I just rented it on iTunes last night again, oh, so awesome. you can you can see it in many different ways. Patty Jenkins, thank you so much for doing the show. I appreciate it. So nice to do it, and so great to talk to you. And I've loved your your you know recordings and interviews oh, before. So thank you thank for listening. You. I didn't know that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The gods gave us many gifts. One day you'll know them all. This is where we keep them. It's beautiful. Who would wield it? Only the fiercest among us even could. And that is not you, Diana. You will train her harder than any Amazon before her. Five times harder. Ten times harder. Never let your guard down. You expect the battle to be fair. Until she is better than even you. But she must never know the truth. About what she is. What is this place? Who are you? It is our sacred duty to defend the world. Whoever you are, you are in more danger than you think. Be careful, Diana. If no one else will defend the world, then I must. Welcome to jolly old London. It's Yeah, it's not for everybody. Step back. Or maybe not. Is there anything else you want to show me? 
Diana of Themyscira, daughter of Hippolyta. In the name of all that is good, your wrath upon this world is over. Oh. Yep, that's not going to work. Put, please put the sword down. It doesn't go with the outfit. At all. <laughs>